Um, when I was uh, a little guy, my family, mother, father, sister, brother, they dropped me off at my aunt's house. I don't ever remember meeting her before that point. They dropped me off at her house, and, and my father told me, Edwin, it was in the projects. I thought that they were rich because they, you know, um, imagine how poor we were. Um, but they lived in the projects, and uh, it was in like uh, Manhattan. I don't know what pro which projects in Manhattan. But I remember that they had those apartments, you know how like the projects have where it's like everybody has a, a bedroom, and we didn't have one. We had like a railroad apartment. And so um, I remember seeing it and thinking to myself, wow, these guys are rich. And my father goes, go into the room, Edwin. I have a truck for you in the room. So I go into the room, look around everywhere for like 10 minutes, can't find it, come out, and everyone's gone. Everyone's gone. And so I was just left there. I had no idea what happened. I knew that I had been abandoned. And I lived with that idea. It's just I couldn't explain what happened. All I wanted was my mom, but nobody came. All of us have moments that we can't explain, we don't know how to deal with. There's moments where the tears don't stop coming, the heart doesn't stop breaking, the sadness only grows, and the grief hovers like a dark cloud over your head. If you're a Christian or an atheist? If you're a Buddhist? If you, if, no matter what, everybody is going to go through suffering. Everybody is going to experience the dark nights of the soul. Everyone. Whether it's medical or relational, whether it's financial, whether it's communal or whatever it is, you and I are going to go through difficult, hard, terrible times. There's no way around it. It's the human condition. The question is, what do we do when we go through the difficult times? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, this is really good news. Let me tell you why. This is good news because you get to see how Christians behave in the face of suffering. And if you're here, and that'll help you to determine on whether or not you want to go into uh, Christianity or maybe seek out Christianity a little bit more. And if you are, are a Christian, this is really good news that you're here because this is an opportunity for you to be able to get at the resources that you have during your suffering. Now, when I'm speaking about suffering, I know I'm speaking generally to three types of people, right? I'm speaking to people who are just came out of suffering and you're like, man, I wish I knew it, knew this when I was in the in that spot. Or you're in suffering now and you're like, boy, this message is for me. I need to hear this. And the third person 
is you don't know it yet, but you're going to go into a season of suffering. And you're going to need to know what to do when you get there. So I need you to pay attention. This is a really important message because every one of us is going to go through suffering and you're going to need what we're going to find out today. You're going to need it at some point in life. So I encourage you. I remember when that happened, there are two main questions that we all ask when we go. When I went through that suffering, and I, I noticed that when others go through suffering, the two main questions, it's why and how long? There are more questions, but there are not fewer. There are why am I going through this and how long? Your heart breaks. You don't know why. How long is this going to last? The, the scripture writer says literally this. How long, O Lord? Referring to his suffering. Every one of us will go through that. See, God knows that every one of us will go through that. So what he does is he gives us his word to teach us. Now, honestly, I could have almost, when it comes to suffering, you could almost just like open the Bible at any page and just pick and you'll find something that addresses the issue of suffering because it's the human condition. God teaches this all over the place. But I want us to look at a, a text that is not necessarily looked at or viewed at as to suffering and yet gives us a lot of resources for when we suffer. It's found in Romans chapter 8, 16 through 28. I encourage you to memorize Romans chapter 8. The book of, uh, in Romans chapter 8, it's literally uh, what the Christian life is like. It's basically a chapter on the Christian life. It is profound. And so Paul, the apostle, is writing this. He's the very same person who wrote that first Corinthians passage that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And he's going to share with us some insights. Honestly, more insights than we can possibly go through here. But we're going to look at this text through the lens of suffering. So, would you stand with me at the reading of God's word? Romans 8, 16 through 28. Here's what God's word says. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, 
We wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit intercedes, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. We need resources when we go through suffering. You and I are going to go through suffering, and it's going to be tough. We're going to need resources. Let me show you some resources that we have just in this text. First thing I want you to do, and I want you to see, is that when you suffer, well, let me give you the big idea. The big idea for today is that when we suffer, we run to the Savior. That's the big idea. It's not cute, it doesn't rhyme, but it's what I want you to know. When we suffer, I want you to run to the Savior. As you know, there's a propensity in many of our hearts that when we suffer, we run from God, not towards God, which is absurd. That would be like when we're thirsty, running from water, not towards water. It's an absurdity, and yet that's exactly what we do. So the big idea is that when you suffer, remember, don't forget, run to the Savior. How do we do that? Well, here's one of the resources that we see when we suffer. What do we do? Here's it. Oh, by the way, in your bulletins, there's a handout that you can follow along. Um, You just heard Pastor Gus uh, mention it, but you can take it out if you need a pencil or if you need uh, what we call a sermon map to follow along because there's little fill-ins. There's someone here. Just raise your hand and we'll get you either the pencil or um, or the paper. So we have a few. Okay. All right, so the first thing I want you to see is that we pray to our heavenly Abba. We pray to our heavenly Abba. That's what the text says. For those who are led, and I'm going to be reading from 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The reason I said in this particular point that we pray to our heavenly Father is because many times when we talk about God as our Father, You know what happens? We tune out. We don't know what to think about that. Mainly because we compare our earthly father to our heavenly father. You know, there have been studies. And and basically, you think about God generally what you think about your earthly dad. That's generally what you think about God. So if your father was absent, that's what you think about God. If your father was a tyrant, that's what you think about God. If your father was unforgiving, that's what you generally, generally speaking, what you think about your earthly father, 
will influence what you think about your heavenly father. That's why when in this point I said, we pray to our heavenly Abba, because I want you to get to the point where you see him as your heavenly, like in my culture, I'm Puerto Rican, in my culture, we say, we don't say dad. In fact, when I see Puerto Rican kids call their dad, it just irks me a little bit. Uh, it does. That's my idiosyncrasy. But check this out. When in my culture, we call pa or papi, right? And so I want you to see him as your heavenly papi, or maybe in your culture, heavenly daddy, or in another culture, heavenly uh, ape. Whatever your culture, I want you to see him as a tender father, not, not a bigger version of your earthly father. So let, write this down. The heavenly Abba is not a bigger version of your earthly father. Your heavenly Abba is not a bigger version of your earthly father. What we mean by that is everything that we just said. If your father was impatient, beloved, that's what you think about God, but he's not impatient with you. In fact, he's very, very patient, long-suffering, the Bible calls him. But you have him pigeonholed as being impatient, not because the Bible told you that, but because that's what you experienced when you were a kid. If he was absent, you go, oh my gosh, my father was never there for me. So you think, I'm not going to pray to God. He has more important things to do. He has more important things to be about. He doesn't need to be about what I'm concerned about. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. Our heavenly Abba is concerned about the minutest detail in your life. The heavenly father, the heavenly Abba is not a bigger version of, your, of our earthly father. Look at B. Rather, the heavenly Abba is the perfect version of your heavenly father. Write that down. The heavenly father is the perfect version of your heavenly Abba. Got it? So what that means, what we're saying is that the heavenly, all right, so let's put it this way. So here is your father in all of his imperfection. He's impatient. He's frustrated. He's angry all the time. He doesn't have time for your problems. He's, he's not attentive and affectionate. He's abusive or something else or worse. That's your earthly father. And so we think that our heavenly father we think that our earthly father is a bigger version of our, I mean, our Heavenly Father is a bigger version than our earthly father. So we go, I'm not going to come to him with intimate moments of my life. Why? Because he's just a bigger version of our broken, flawed, abusive, or whatever, father. No. No. Listen, if your father, if your father would have loved you perfectly in every moment, if your father would have been 
if, if your father would have understood your makeup, how you were made, your personality, and not compared you to your sibling. If your father was affectionate and always there and always right and never wrong and always humble in that knowledge. If your father guided you with 100% love, never harming you, but always bringing you to himself. If every time your father corrected you, it was for the purpose of being reunited in affection to him. If your earthly father did that, he would be a closer picture to what your heavenly father did. But it's not. It's not our story, is it? But you have a perfect heavenly father who is seeking you, loves you, and is pursuing you. Now, I didn't put this down in your notes, but there's another way to think about God. Not as a heavenly Abba, but as a boss. You know what a boss is? A boss is someone you work for, but then owes you. Isn't that right? A boss is someone that you provide a service to, and then after you provide the service at the end of the week, or the end of the two weeks, or the end of the month, there is something that they give you for the trouble that you spent. In fact, I promise that every one of you who were, who were walking faithfully in Christ at one point in your life and then left, it's because you thought of God as your boss. You see, here's what happened, right? You came to God and you said, God, oh, this marriage. Oh, this marriage is terrible. Please fix it. You know, we're going to go to church. And you went to church for two years and then your spouse still cheated on you or it still broke up and you got, you're kidding me. I've been here for two years and this is what I get. You see, what happened was is that he was your boss. You did the hard work the very unfun work of coming to a service. And you said, God, you owe me wages. And that's the wages that you're going to pay me is this marriage working out. And when he didn't, he said, you said, what good are you? And you kicked him to the curb. You see, that's the way many of us look at God, but he's not a boss and he's not like your earthly father. He's your heavenly Abba who loves and pursues and wants to hear your broken hearted mess, even the ones you created for yourself. He's your heavenly Abba. That's the first thing we see in this text that God is our heavenly Abba. The second thing, so we pray to our heavenly Abba, but we don't just pray to, we trust in God, our King. We trust in God, our King. Romans 8.28, we're going to actually spend some time, I was literally considering this being the only point that I make today. Trust in God, our King. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We can trust God. We may not know why we're going through what we're going through, but we can trust God in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our hardship. Trust in God 
our king. So here's, from this one verse, here's what we get. We got to get moving. Let's, let's go to it. The first thing we need to know, and that we see this, is anything can happen to you. Now that might shock you because you might think, oh, I'm a Christian. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. My marriage is going to go well. My weight is always going to be in the ideal weight. I'm never going to get sick. Nobody's ever going to fight with me. You, if, you, if you're a Christian for five minutes, you think that. But if you've been a Christian for longer than five minutes, you know that's not true. See what it says here in the text? And we know that in, what does it say? All things. All things. Everything. Anything can happen to me. My son can get murdered. My daughter can get raped. My wife could leave me um, for another person. Anything can happen to me. Most of, if I could just share this with you. Most of the problem that we go through in suffering is, here's the problem. We go through suffering and it's heavier. The suffering is heavier because we think it's not supposed to be this way. I'm telling you, this is a broken world. You know what's not supposed to happen? A moment of gladness. A moment of joy. With all the pain and suffering that go on in this world, why should, have you ever go, God, with all the pain and suffering in this world, why is my life so easy? Have you ever thought that? No. But let me tell you what you did do. Think. You go, God, with all the people in the world, why me go through this? You know why you thought that? Because you think that suffering is a surprise. You think that suffering is something that you shouldn't have to go through. It's like something that comes like outside of the box and you don't understand. No, no, no. Anything can happen to a Christian. And quite frankly, often it does. Like, are you surprised at the level of um, uh, uh, people standing up today and, and disruption in this service? The mic going out? Are you surprised? Don't be surprised at that. Don't be surprised when things don't go well in your life. Don't be surprised when what you planned didn't happen. Listen to me. Be surprised when things go well. Be surprised when things are going smooth. Be surprised. You know what you can do? You can, could, could you imagine, by the way, if, if we got this one thing right, could you imagine how much your joy would increase? If you would go, God, I so don't deserve the health that I'm breathing right now. I so don't deserve. I have one limp. God, I so deserve to be in a wheelchair. Oh, my gosh. My heart is giving out. And it, God, I didn't deserve the amount of years that you gave to me. Oh, my gosh. I have to go around in a wheelchair. Lord, I can't believe I get to use my hands to wheel myself around. My spouse left me. Lord, you say that you are the spouse to those who are broken hearted I can't believe that even in this imperfect world I get you anything can happen anything secondly so we're trusting in God right and trusting in God means that anything can happen secondly B anything not only can anything happen but anything can work for the good isn't that good news Anything can work for the good. Now, I have to clear, well, 
No, 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 I'll do that in the next point. Anything can work for the good. I told you this story before, but it bears telling, right? So there's a, a peasant. He's in China. It's like 500 years ago. It's 1,000 years ago. And he's, um, he's uh, working his farm. It's him uh, and his son. And the farmer, because remember, anything can work for your good. He's serving, and one day, a horse, like a thoroughbred, wanders up to his farm. Him and his son have been working their fingers to the bone. They don't know what to do. And a horse wanders into his farm. And the son gets, he goes, Dad, look at this. It's, it's a thoroughbred. We could use him for plowing. We could use him for transportation. We could use, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. And the man is like elated and he goes to the wise man in the village and he goes, would you believe this great fortune? We were working our fingers to the bone. This has been so painful. Could you believe this good fortune that we have? And, and the wise man says, maybe good, maybe not so good. And so he goes on, and then as the son is using the horse, um, the, the, the horse uh, falls, uh, trips on um, some rocks, and he falls and breaks his son's leg. Now the old man has no one to help him with the farm. And the old man goes back to the wise man and he goes, this is terrible. Can you believe that this happened? This, how are we going to be able to get the crops? And we thought we were doing so well, but what are we going to do? This is awful. He goes, the wise man goes, maybe bad, maybe good. A few months later, the... Um, the magistrates from that city come and they say, the Huns are coming. And every able-bodied boy needs to come and fight in the war. The son has a broken leg, so he can't go. The boys go off, and in that village, every boy who went to that battle died. And the man goes to the wise man. He goes, could you believe this? This is incredible. And the wise man goes. You see, you see, listen to me. Anything can work for your good. The difference between my perspective and God's perspective is God has the full picture. All I have is this snapshot, this little itty bitty moment. God can work it for your good. But it's going to take that you trust God. And how can you trust God if you don't pray to him? You see, we pray to him and we trust in him. That's how we run to the Savior. Thirdly, let me just say this for those of you who are already thinking this in your mind. God does not make bad things good, but brings good out of the bad. I need you to know. When I was a child, I was touched inappropriately. That moment is forever evil. That moment is forever wrong. There is never going to be a moment where that moment was good. But I've sat down with probably over a hundred people, probably over a thousand people in these last 22 years. 
as they shared with me their same story. And I shared with them my story and we cried. Is that moment good? Never. It's evil forever. Has God brought good out of that moment in the healing of others' hearts? Absolutely. You see, this text tells us, don't you see it? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have called according to his purpose. It's those who are his who get to see this miracle. And those who are not, do the best you can. First, we pray to our Heavenly Father. Then we trust in God, our King. And thirdly, I want you to just say this. I want you to see this. I'm going to spend a minute on this. Rely on the church. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this over and over and over again. In the church, in this church, I'm talking about our church, we have people who come for long periods of time, experience the faithfulness and the kindness of the Lord. They get clean. They get um, years of clean time. They, they find someone. They marry. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And then they go through suffering and they run away from the body of Christ. They say, they say things like this. Well, nobody ever called me. To which I go, you know, there's like a weekly appointment where you could have told everybody. Like, we gather together so that we don't have to rely on a phone call. So that we can gather together and know that we are loved and not alone. So that you need the church. We need the church. I need the church. We need each other. And when we run away from each other, we do it to our own detriment. We pray to our Heavenly Father. We trust in God, our King. We rely on the church. When we are suffering, this is how we run to Christ. I'm teaching you how to run to Christ. We pray to, we trust in, we rely on. And then we ponder the glory that will be revealed. Isn't this good? Romans 8, 18. We ponder, oh my goodness. Okay, just write this down. Ponder the glory that will be revealed. Here's, listen. You see what he says here in verse 18? I consider. You know what that old King James uh, version word is for that? It's reckon. I reckon. You know why they took out the word reckon? Because they didn't want you to think that Paul came from Texas. That's why. That's why. But reckon is a really good word. I reckon. I determine. I think through. I really put my mind to it. I reckon. I consider, I meditate on, I think about that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, we have almost no time. It was silly for me to think that I could give you this much information in such a small period of time. So I want you to remember this, okay? I'm going to give you the three uh, minor points to this, but it's all one phrase. Ponder the glory that, uh, the glory that will be revealed Here's what Romans 8.18 is saying. Bad things will turn out for, your good, for our good. The good things you've been given can never be taken. And the best things are yet to come. Isn't that good news? Bad things will turn out. Let's say this together, okay? I know you're writing, but let's say it together. One, two, three. Bad things will turn out for good. The good things you've been given can never be taken. The best things are yet to come. 
Take a, all right, so while you're writing, let me just, uh, the, bad things, the bad things that you had in your life, the molestations, the difficulties, the tragedies, the traumas, the horrors, the bad things that happened in your life will turn out for good. That's what pondering about the goodness of God will help you to do. The bad things. This is bad. This moment is horrible. I feel great pain. It's going to turn out for my good. And the good things that you've been given, Christian, the good things that you've been given can never be taken away. I will always, no one can take away my eternal life. No one can take away the security that I have in Christ. If this body fails, I'll get an upgrade. 2.0. If I, if my eyes go dim, I will get eyesight that can see for years. Listen to me. Those things that will be given to me by God in the new heavens and the new earth can never be taken. Every tear will be dried. Every heart that's been broken will be mended. Every moment that was gone and worthless will find meaning and power. Everything. The good things that you've been given can never be taken from you. And the best things are yet to come. The best things are yet to be. Your, your life is good now? Good news. The best things are coming next. Your life, listen, your life is miserable now? Good news. The best things are yet to come. Bad things will turn out for your good. The good things you've been given can never be taken from you. The best things are yet to come. In Christ, listen, we have those resources in Christ because of what Christ has done. Not because we have wishes, but because what he's done. And then lastly, ponder the sacrifice of Jesus, which makes this all possible, which is where I want to take us.